0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. This is Grizz Griswold, head of marketing at Finos, and this is the Open Source and Finance Podcast. And on this episode of the podcast, I sit down with John Mark Walker, who's the director of the OSPO at Fannie Mae. I'm entitling this Open Source and Finance 101 podcast as Empathy. It could drive the world and also drive open source. So we get into it and more. Sit back, relax, and hit the music. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. This is Grizz Griswold, head of marketing for Finos. Hope you're doing well. Today on the podcast, uh, my guest is John Mark Walker. He's the director of open source programs officer office. I I'm losing it already, John Mark. Um, but you were at Fannie Mae, you're almost there. You were, there. yeah, exactly. And and guess what? I barely ever edit any of these uh, podcasts. So, so I'm going to say you are the director of Open Source Programs Office at Fannie Mae. Done. Done. we to today, say, man? I run the OSPO and done. You run the done. OSPO. <laughs> and done. And done. Say hello to everybody, please.
1: Hi, how are you? This is John Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Chris. Good. It.
0: And, and you're coming to us from the wintry north in the states, is that correct?
1: Yes, the wintry north of in Massachusetts, uh, where you can see my this is not a virtual background. Uh, oh, wait, this, this, what am I saying? This is this is not gonna be video, it doesn't matter, but yes, I am in the wilds of Massachusetts, as it were. So,
0: if, yeah. if you're playing along at home <laughs> behind John Mark, there's so we'll a yeah.
1: wilderness area <laughs> behind me, yes. That is
0: what's fun about this is, is uh, we're hanging out, we're talking, um, but uh, everybody who does listen to this podcast knows that, you know, like, I want to know more about, you know, you, um, you know, kind of your, your journey through to get you where you are now. And, um, and then, you know, and then we have some other places that we can go as well. So, so. You know, tell us about John Mark. Tell us about um, you know, kind of what brought you. Um, and and I'm going to go ahead and say that I know this from from a long time ago. Um, I would say you know definitely one of the OG. Um, uh, when it comes to open source, especially if you if you. You, anybody that has SourceForge in their yes uh is, oh yes to me is a, is a OG or pretty pretty close to it so um yes I was in the, are, sorry go, go ahead go. no no
1: I was just I, gonna, I was just gonna say I was in the room next door when when like those four guys were in a room banging out what would become SourceForge it was a wow. pretty heady time let me tell you uh we were we were ahead of our time and <laughs> we were, we were, and now like, you know, so many people today, I I mentioned that factoid too. And they're like, who, who, what, where, like, oh, we were GitHub before GitHub. Come on. <laughs>
0: very good. Very good. Yes. Can you still hear me?
1: Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay, cool.
0: I can hope it's me? even a little more clear. Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Uh, uh, I did the Ricky mistake of not fully plugging in my USB three microphone. Um, You would think I've never actually done this before uh, by every mistake that we made. Anyway. um, No worries. (laughs) But, 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 but no, I, you know, kind of joke about the OG, but I mean, but truthfully, like, yeah, you know, you've, you've come from a place to where like I, I have watched your career because I've known you, I've known you either in person or tacit, you know, like on the side for a long time because of kind of, some of the places that we run to with conferences and things mm-hmm. like that as well. Yeah. So um so so yeah go go back and 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 tell you know tell us how you got to today. <laughs>
1: Come on old man tell yeah. us about
0: the good old days. <laughs> okay. I would I would say that we're probably the same age honestly. Yeah, so, yeah <laughs> pretty yeah. close
1: probably. Um no you know it's funny that you mentioned kind of the journey in SourceForge and kind of brings back you know why I kind of got into this line of work in the first place, which was you know like a lot of open source people at the time i was not too enthused about say traditional career paths and mm-hmm. here was this new thing that was coming up and it was you know i felt like i could make my own path and that was probably one of the most enticing things about it was that it you know it it wasn't there was no defined pathway it wasn't you know there were no set of things you know, there were no boxes to check off on your, on your way to um, success. It was, yeah. it was kind of we were all kind of like making up as we went along, and that was yeah. the, that was the fun of it. Um, and then I, you know, from there, you know, a lot of startups um, that I was involved in um, in the first half of my career. You know, um, VA Linux, you know, with the SourceForge release, and then later on uh, Hyperic and Groundwork, um, and then I think uh, Splunk uh, along the way. And then I was at a company called Gluster, mm-hmm. and for all this, like, for all the first half of my career, it was all commercial open source, community building, community management, and I really cut my teeth in the whole, like, commercial open source arena, which was a little different from where a lot of community managers got their start. A lot of the community, community managers or minded people kind of got... Started more in the in the developer side of things, or yep. maybe they worked within um, existing communities and foundations. I was all like venture funded startups from the beginning, and that mm-hmm. was that was my world um, that I inhabited until when I was at Gluster, and we were acquired by Red Hat, and that was my first time really kind of going into a, a bigger company. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the first time I really got an eye. Full of big company problems, and not only was Red Hat, uh, you know, a larger company I'd been at, they were also, you know, a vendor to lots of very large traditional enterprises, and so I got some insight, you know, via that way too. Yeah, um, and it it really kind of like helped me to recenter my thinking and think beyond just the, you know, okay, we've got a we've got this. Um, Community that we want to market and grow and build, and now I was thinking beyond that and thinking around, thinking about ecosystems. Where how do the ecosystems play into each other? How do they relate to each other? How do things grow from like one community into to many? And how is the you know where are the lines of influence? Um, and also thinking about, and there was a central question I started asking myself around that time that I've has driven me. From that day, which is why is it that when you go into these open source communities, you see the same people and the same vendors and the same companies, and you don't see the large enterprises. Where yeah. large enterprises, if we've already decided that most of the innovation happens in these open source communities, why is it that there's <laughs> uh, why is it that there's a, a paucity of you know company diversity um, pers- participating in these communities? Um, And there's, of course, there's also a paucity of uh, people diversity as well, but that's, that's something um, related, but, but also important. But the thing I noticed was that, you know, it just, we weren't really resonating with the, um, the larger traditional enterprises. Mm -hmm. And I could not figure out why, uh, it, it really just kind of broke my brain. And I started thinking about, you know, supply chains and how do open source products get made and what's the, what's a directory from like, say, an open source component to uh, develop open source developed platform to say a, a finished product and thinking about it in a, in a pipeline model um, and thinking about all these, how these things all kind of come together. Um, and by the way, I was talking about open source supply chains before they were cool, <laughs> but, but, I, but I always talked about open source supply chains in the context of You have the control over these things. You have power over these things. You don't have to just wait until these things happen to you. You can take an active role in curating and developing and and um fine-tuning the supply chain, you know, for the things that you build. And what that means is participate upstream. And I've been kind of beating the drum around going upstream and participating upstream for about 10 years now. And that took me down a path of you know, once I was in the cluster community and 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 finishing that up, really kind of, you know, going into companies like EMC and then later on, um, you know, Capital One and now Fannie Mae, and I think I've finally come around to understand why it's taken so long for these companies to participate, and it's because you know they've been sold uh, the line that open source is risky and. Mm-hmm there are risks, and I'm not going to say that there aren't. But um, unfortunately, they've taken that message. And the way that they've reacted is by saying, Well, we're just gonna, we're just gonna um, shut it off, you know, and we're Mm -hmm. gonna become a software roach motel where, you know, (laughs) open source software comes in, but it never goes out. Um, And, and it's become like, and so Lots of companies can grasp the idea that, oh, this stuff is free and I can use it and cool, Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of them do. Uh, Most apps, most internal apps these days are built overwhelmingly with open source components and platforms and runtimes, Um, but they decided that like, it was too risky to, um, to go the other way and, you know, risk of, you know, data, um, exfiltration, uh, risk of divulging confidential material. And unfortunately, these sorts of things have happened. And and so it's, it it is good to at least keep in mind that there is risk here. Mm -hmm. But what I've always maintained is that by taking control of your supply chain, you're actually reducing a lot of other risk. and there has to be a way to balance risk such that you're able to, uh, find the innovation that you want, cultivate innovation internally among your engineers too, and also benefit by You know, preventing problems from ever reaching your you know offices in in the first place, and that's been my hobby horse for over five years now. Is take control of your supply chain. Yeah, (laughs) Um, and it's it's fundamental to me.
0: I wanted to ask you you know um, uh, two things. If I remember, the other thing I'll come back to. Uh, But the first thing is like you know taking control of your supply chain. Um, I I I feel that that there are times where we say that. You know, and and it has obviously it has become a a big thing this year, um, yeah. with Log4j or Logforge, as, as uh, Jim Zemlin says it. You know, however it goes, <laughs> yeah. Um, but <laughs> but it, it has become a a more in the news, I guess. Yes. But yes, but I feel like some companies are looking at take supply or take control of your supply chain as as closing things off. Yeah. Um,
1: and that's, that's the unfortunate. like, you know, I mentioned like, Hey, I was talking about supply chains for the right uh, now, everyone and their brother is, and sister is talking about supply chains, but they're doing it in this context of, like you said, shutting things off, like, yeah. Oh, your supply chain is risky. You gotta, you know, gotta secure your supply chain. But what they mean is, you know, <laughs> cut things off at your uh, firewall and, uh, you know, continue the same thing that you've been doing, which is, as we know, is the definition of insanity. Um, So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's unfortunate um, that the term open source supply chain has taken on that meaning. And so I'm trying to reinvigorate the discussion with um, some of the things that we're doing to to counteract that. And, you know, we've, we've, we have a initiative that we're, you know, we're releasing now called the uh, clean dependency project. And that's going to be all about You know, that's where we found ourselves in the unfortunate circumstance that a lot of companies have found themselves, which is we're using all these open source dependencies and they get marked by these scary terms by the scanning um, tools that say, Mm -hmm. you know, critical risk and um, critical vulnerability. And it's, but it's not. And the communities that produce these dependencies a lot of times disagree with that uh, formulation and, you know, for good reason. Um, But there's kind of this, Standstill, where the communities aren't fixing the things, the scanning tools aren't changing the way they categorize it, and so what? What are enterprises supposed to do? Well, what I'm advocating for is, let's take the dependencies that we know are problematic, um, and let's uh, let's let's fix them so that they'll pass the scans, and then let's post them for other reuse so that other companies can benefit from our work. And a lot of times these are simple fixes. They're um, in some cases and. It shouldn't be detrimental to the um, the value because a lot of times the things that you're thinking about fixing aren't actually used uh, in any sort of like risky way anyway. Mm-hmm. So so fixing them should be shouldn't have much of an impact, if any, on the um, on the user experience. So why not? Why can't we just okay. post them online and then like you know be done with it? And then that way it helps us, helps everybody else. and right. uh, and it kind of also helps us to see this message that, hey, these things are open source. You don't have to just accept them the way they are. <laughs> you right. can you can actually you know, we've made forking a dirty word, which is unfortunate. Like essentially, we're creating a fork mm-hmm. that we're hoping is helpful. And also down the line, you know, hopefully they'll also be merged into uh, other upstream um, repositories. but but, yeah. Like, like use the, use the source, Luke, <laughs> use, the, use the tools you have available to, to, um, you know, to make your, you know, enterprise more secure. So.
0: Yeah. And, and, and and I think the the second thing I was going to go back to was, is and you kind of summed it up here was, um, you know, pushing upstream, like your definition yes. of that, but, but, but I feel like you just, you basically explained it like. Figure out the things that are that are useful to not only you but everybody else, and then push them upstream, literally, yeah. um, so that it benefits all.
1: And you know, it's funny. Like whenever I put it in those terms, um, it it resonates. Like, yep. I mean, I can be talking to the most <laughs> the most frightened risk manager or you know a security person in the room, and once I explain that, mm-hmm. they get it. And yeah. it's really about all, you know, it's all about how do you put it? How do you put the message in a way that that resonates with the person listening to it? You know, you don't come out and say, you're an idiot, and you should do this, because <laughs> it's the right way to do it. Like, it's, it's all about, look, the thing I've always noticed is that people are not purposely trying to, like, defeat you or, or sabotage you. They're thinking from their point of view that, you know, hey, they have a job to do, and their job is to protect like the company's security. Yeah. As long as you understand that, you can find the ways to um, to work with them to to you know to make improvements you know where they need to be. Because ultimately, for the, the vast majority of people, are looking for ways to to make improvements. They're not you know holding in line just because they feel like it. It's they feel that that's they're doing the right thing, and you have to yeah.
0: understand that. I- i kind of feel like that that brings you to something that we were talking about before the podcast about about empathy um yes and and you know hey if you were out there in the world and and you can have and you can put some yourself in somebody else's shoes in a you know no matter what the situation is let is outside of of open source you know like that type of empathy sympathy empathy you know sometimes it has to be sympathy before it can be empathy i think yeah. um to get a little meta but but I, you were really talking about having empathy for for the people that in understanding the motivations or or what they have to go through and you know whether it's their job their life in order to you know achieve the goals that are set for them or that they set for absolutely. themselves yeah no, um, that's,
1: that's absolutely right we, we um you know empathy is multi-directional right it's there's There's a lack of empathy to <laughs> that kind of covers runs the gamut throughout the whatever open source ecosystem you want to point to. sure. and it's you know whether whether you're talking about um, people you work with who are not, say open source savvy, it's easy to say that they're not you know empathetic to the needs of an open source community. but vice versa, I would argue that a lot of open source developers are not empathetic to needs of people whose job is to guard the security um, Mm -hmm. of the companies they work for and so i I feel like you know that you know that we all have to kind of understand where we're all coming from and so one of the things that you know me and the the team did um for the grace hopper celebration was we put together a really quick workshop to sort of like a a role-playing game uh with the intent of helping people understand more holistically what happens in open source ecosystem and where where people are coming from, we actually introduced um, as part of the gameplay. We introduced a scenario where you know log for J two happens, or as we mm-hmm. called it, um, uh, twig for Go was the was okay. The, okay. <laughs> okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, and so we had to. You know come around to understand uh and so we had the, the maintainer twig for go and we had a CISO of a bank a luddite bank uh we had uh i don't know what uh, uh, someone uh, a director of the uh, open developer foundation or whatever um and so we all kind of talked about where things were falling flat and mm-hmm. what we need to do and how there were these like sort of conflicts and so when you think about that it helps to think through these things and a conflict resolution framework as opposed to you're wrong right. <laughs> and and i said you're wrong so you know <laughs> listen to me because i know what i'm talking about so um so we're we're, we're going to continue to iterate on that and i'm I'm hoping that we'll uh we'll be able to do some more uh do some more uh, workshops like this as we as we build out that that idea um calling it the, the open source game so
0: no that, that awesome um and and uh... Yeah, uh, it might be coming to a city near you. Um, right. uh, yeah, soon, soon. Um, can we expand on a little bit too? And maybe, you know, I was, I was trying to think about um, your, your initiative. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, uh, as side commentary, um, both John, Mark, and I uh, have have uh, not yeah we've both been sick
1: <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> yes. so so yes. I keep going on mute while you're talking to to cough, but um uh anyway, so so thank you for uh we were we were trying to do this earlier and then he got sick, I got anyway um yes. so so i'm glad we're we're finally getting a chance um uh but you know, I, I was trying to see if if you know with the initiative that you're working on um uh, i I assume this through Fannie Mae um uh that you know like if you is there a way to kind of now take the the open source game and 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 say like here's some of the things that you know in an initiative like this we we might have to think about um you know as far or not we have to think about but the the individual uh we will not put actual names to anything, but but the individual players might need to think about in order to become more empathetic so that, yeah. so the initiative like that actually, you know, has legs and and works for others as well.
1: No, absolutely. The, the idea, I mean, the idea came to me, I've been thinking about this for about five years, mostly because I kept noticing how many times I have to say the same things <laughs> to explain open source things. And I was yeah. like, you know, there's got there to be a way to make these things stick. So, yeah. I, so we don't have to keep repeating ourselves <laughs> or to use the line that I've used um, seemingly every year since 2005 is it's it's 2022. Why do we still have to explain this stuff? Because yeah. by now, like if you'd asked me 20 years ago, like in 2002, I rolled back the clock and said, you know, what do you think you'll be doing in 2022? I would have said. Well, I'm not going to be working open source because everyone will get it by then. Everybody
0: will get it by then. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, no. Yeah, um, yeah if you, oh. if you still have to do rah rah open source, which, which, I mean, you know, think about it when when we were doing. Um, I think you were part of. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say PosCon anymore, um, but PosCon, and then you know that rolled into all things open. That are, you know, for me, have rolled yeah. into now. Um, software foundation into finos like like i remember and I've said this a couple of times on this podcast like like you know 15 years ago we were talking rah rah open source and that's what yeah, every yeah. single open source conference was about it's like yes you yeah. can do it and everything yes. and then and then what i have noticed in the open source community in mm-hmm. in larger tech um that you know it's not a thing anymore it's it's more like Okay, the, right. The, there's a little right. bit of rah-rah to get you going, but for the most part, it's like, yeah. Now, now get now get some work done. Yeah. And and really come in. You know, I still feel, and you probably run into this every day. I don't. You know, since you do work for a regulated, you know, um, company, like like coming into a regulated industry uh, in financial services, but you see this in medical. You see this yeah. probably in in yeah. energy and in places as well that like like you have had to say rah-rah open source for the past like five or six years because 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 there are definitely folks that that don't understand that but that goes back to the empathy like they don't understand it's not part of their play that's right it's not part of their life
1: they they haven't had to deal with it yeah um and then you get the other effect which is you know some people do say raw open source but they don't really understand what they're saying <laughs> so like sure. like in conceptually they they're there but right. like but they miss a couple of things like uh you know oh open source is a free for all like uh, not exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh, open source means no hierarchy it's an anarchy like No. (laughs) So there, there are like so many parts of this that even when they get there with the enthusiasm, there's like a few things you have to like, yeah, some, some little course corrections that, that have to happen. But it's, but yeah, there, there, there is definitely a, you know, and and a lot of developers, you know, it's funny, like even now, like I'll, I'll interview people from colleges and I'll be like, what's your GitHub ID? and like. which open source projects have you made contributions to? Uh, I'm like, yeah, it's 2022. <laughs> what yeah. are you doing? So uh, anyway, um, <coughs> you get off my high no, horse no,
0: no, there a little no, bit. That, you, know? That, you know, that that makes me take pause, honestly, because something that that I feel like, you know, we've been espousing, um, you know, within this community is that you, you have, I've thought that, for, especially for <coughs> folks, I was gonna say kids. I'm sorry, folks that uh, you know are in college right now and going through as developers. That you know, yeah. my my full thought after talking to university you know uh, professors and things like that, and then and seeing things that like I thought that that would really be and and we have said mm-hmm. that you know like your resumes on GitHub. Yeah, and and I. And that does make me take pause when you say that that mm-hmm. that you're getting some interviews that are not um you know, uh I mean there's one thing like you know let let's be real. you have a geology degree and I have a business degree, and here we are talking about technology, you know yes. like like yes. so we've come from you know we've been able to come from different places and and yeah, but sure. but you you end up focusing on on what makes sense, and to me, you know if you're- dev- if you were a developer in open source and you're just getting started, <laughs> public service announcement, <laughs> hey, yes. get a GitHub, get a GitLab ID, get yes. both and and yes. and make sure that you are finding things that are of interest to you that you can get involved with.
1: Yeah, it's um, funny. Like, the things I've noticed are that like a lot of people in computer science now, they're getting at least some classroom education on agile and yeah. maybe product development. But they don't know the first like they're not getting anything around inner source or open source mm. principles at all. and like they'll use open source tools in class, but they will right. never get the education about here's how this stuff happens and it's mm. um and it's sort of like it's become this thing that people take for granted, I think yep. and like like they're happy to use it, and they'll take for granted that it's there. They don't understand how it gets made and yep. where it really fits kind of in the larger, you know. Um, picture
0: no no and that's why i'm glad like you know like all things open uh todd has made a concerted effort to have he has a open source or what is it open source 101 Mm. you know conference series that he's been working on for years um that that you know he I, i know that he tries to address some of that and 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 really you know like in that same vein we've for for banking and financial services like we've been starting to have some blog posts and and some material available for open source in finance 101 mm-hmm. um and and you know for our community as well because yeah you're you're right you you need that basis if you didn't have it before Absolutely. um yeah uh, in order to understand like he, you know, here's how to play well with each other um, <laughs> at, a, at a minimum, at a minimum. Yes, um, yes. But also what, what, you know, what can really drive, you know, the, you know, as, as those people are starting out as junior developers and as they move through their career and, and, you know, and they are where you are now, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, and then, you know, moving past that as well, that, that the more people that understand that, you know, you can have 10 of your resources that are all working on this project um or this you know this software project but you can have one of your resources and nine of other companies resources working on that same project and it might be better output because you you know you have the same number of resources but you have different thoughts different you know motivations and different um you know I, i always say customer use cases as well that you can draw into this
1: Yeah, we're we're still in a world where a lot of companies do a lot of bespoke development, even though there are a lot of there's a lot of overlap in use cases and um and maybe you know things that are trying to they're trying to design and build. Um, you know, I've seen, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Just said there's a lot of a lot of bespoke development and and unfortunately in order to really kind of like transform your organization and doing open source style development, you have to think outside of your immediate use case. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. unfortunately, a lot of software is designed to be built and run until it's thrown away and then we'll move something else. And this kind of like design thinking, um, there's a word I'm missing there. There's like a phrase here that is I forget, whatever. <laughs> anyway, this type of like uh, design thinking um, requires you think outside of that usual yep. use case. And it's a huge shift to make, and it requires like some forethought and planning. And it's, it's not an easy thing. Like I used to have the same thought, like, you know, companies should just do more open source development, and then they'll, you know, they'll get further faster. They can make that economic, um, uh, you know, argument. Yeah, But the problem with that is that you're assuming that the things that they're working on are useful outside of those four
0: walls. And mm.
1: that sort of requires some different level of thinking than what usually happens in, um, in most, uh, most development teams. And so, you know, that's a really good problem to, to think through. Um, cause I'm not sure that we, as far as open source aficionados, um, I've really solved for that is because it's not just about the the process of doing open source, it's about how do you think about the general use case and think broadly about something like say platform engineering, except you're not just designing a platform for your immediate group of people. You're thinking about, you know, more holistically, what does a platform look like and what should it be able to do, you know, pluggable architectures and yada, yada, um, it's, it's just a different, you know, that's something that I'm hoping that, you know, over time we're all seeing a shift towards, but it's something that we should probably when we're thinking about open source education. It's probably something we should emphasize more heavily is like this type of thinking when it comes to training, you know, the next generation of developers.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can I ask you, um, that you, you said platform engineering. Uh, I, I've noticed looking at, um, what seems like a thousand talks coming through our OSF, yeah, and and also I was talking to um guy that owns a developer company here um and uh, co work that I go to and and has come yeah. to some of our events um uh, in New York and and he started mentioning uh, uh yes. that like can can you kind of define that for people a little bit um in in how you're seeing things and and. Yeah, I, th- I think it is such a hot. It it be it is becoming a hot topic, buzzword or not. Um, yeah. I think is important to that since you brought it up.
1: No, I yes, thank you. Um, I mean, as we think about you know making things more generally usable, and thinking about APIs and microservices and how to make these things available, we have to come back and think really hard about you know the platforms that we use and and build and maintain. Mm-hmm. And it also, you know, it's funny in the open source world. We've been, we've been thinking about these things for a while now because the the best way to grow a developer community is to create places to plug into a platform. I mean, you look at how Linux has grown over the years. I mean, they call it a monolith because of how it runs, but right. But Linux really started to grow once you realized that you could make you know these modules, um, and you as long as you had like the ABI, and you you know you could build a module that controlled this piece of hardware, and you could just plug into the build of your kernel and and way you would go. And that was kind of central to Linux's, you know, success and, and growth. Um, yeah. and that that model has been replicated a lot of other places, um, whether it's, you know, um, whether it's the, you know, the, the Apache web server or or any uh, number of other like large platforms you can think about that have been successful. I mean Kubernetes right now. Right. I mean that's yeah. the Kubernetes with like the operator framework and, and other things you use to to plug into like a Kubernetes you know backplane is um, pretty uh, foundational to to its success. So it's really taking that type of thinking. Mm-hmm. How do we build this um, platform, and how do we intentionally build it to support multiple use cases and make it pluggable? And and that's that's really kind of the how you know that's really kind of the. The underlying piece of it. Um, yep. platform engineering is about the people who focus on that particular control plane black back plane, the, the management of it <clears throat> and supporting developers who want to create those those plugins or uh, any other sort of like applications that that make use of APIs, microservices, and everything else that, that plugs into the platform. And there's a huge emphasis right now in enterprises around replicating this model. And it's mm-hmm. It's a super interesting conversation to have because it, to me, it's a rehash of conversations we've had in the open source world for, you know, for some time. But now we're, we're starting to have it and we're starting to have it because, you know, enterprises have started to realize that the, the models they built so far around, you know, CI/CD and pipelines and, and DevOps, they only take you so far. You really have to have people who specialize in say SRE and a lot of a lot of what we call platform engineering let's let's be honest it it really does kind of mesh into what we describe as you know sre um, roles um mm-hmm. but it kind of takes it and formalizes the idea of a platform and and developing a platform
0: sre right. site
1: reliability engineering sorry you
0: thank you Oh, okay thank you yes no
1: i, <laughs> I yes always explain your acronyms
0: good good Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> did no, mean, to take no, off track? that's a good
1: good call, <laughs> good call out. Yes.
0: That's how we have more empathy. <laughs>
1: yes. No, uh, absolutely people. <laughs> because I mean, just this morning I was like, what does that mean again? Can you not SRE, sorry but something else. And yeah. we all get so jargony and caught up in it and it's ridiculously bad, but so yes, it's good to make these things accessible um, yeah. so that people understand. Yes.
0: Very good. Very good. Um if you if you had you know one or two things to say on on where you see open source and financial services going we're we're getting towards the end of the year obviously for for Mm -hmm. 2022 and yeah and start looking into 2023 but um you know are there some things out there that you're seeing for open source and financial services that that you would say like, hey, here's some things that we really need to pay attention to? And I didn't prep you for this, of course. No, nope. it was yeah. But um, and, question, and, and no, your no. predictions are always doomed to fail, like mine are. <laughs> um, but uh, so not predictions, not predictions, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that, but but that, th- but but yeah. really, things to pay attention to in in the upcoming year, um. You know whether we go into recession mode or not. Whether we, you know, mm. like have another global pandemic. I mean, like those things <laughs> aside, knock, not knock, touching those. Knock not on wood. Exa- yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what should we pay attention to in open source in financial services? Um, you know, as a kind of an ecosystem, um, looking yeah. in, but then looking back outwards. I guess.
1: So I'm going to take a break from my usual doom and gloom and, and present a, <laughs> an optimistic view. Ooh.
0: Um,
1: yeah, I know. Right. Uh. <laughs> uh, because the thing I've noticed is that, you know, I, <laughs> I was at, I was presenting, um, along with, uh, a colleague of mine, uh, Brittany Eisenes is, and we were presenting at uh, DevOps days DC
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it was all about kind of like take control of your supply chain. You know, you a clean dependency project and, um, I happened to mention passing that, you know, we're coming up on the one year anniversary of Log4J.
0: Yeah.
1: And <laughs> there's an instant hiss <laughs> across mm. the audience. And I've never experienced such a visceral reaction to something I said on stage before. I mean, it was like, Whoa. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm yeah. like, I'm really sorry for triggering your people <laughs> please forgive me. Um but having said that, I have to say that the whole log4j, log4 shell incident, uh I, I hate to get little little fingerish, um, you know, or <laughs> you know, chaos is the latter. But the fact of the matter is when log4j happened, it it opened some eyeballs. Yeah. And yeah, as I mentioned, you know, it 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 also kind of uh, maybe led us down some some bad paths. And when it comes to thinking about open source supply chain security, but from my perspective, it also opened up avenues that may not have been open before. But I mean, when you think about the messages I'm trying to deliver around going upstream, you know, hey, take control of your supply chain. I found that those messages have been. Resonating a lot more in the past year than they did before. Because I remember, like, I mean, I was, I went on stage with, you know, with our mutual friend Todd mm-hmm. um, at the, uh, there was an OSSF, you know, back when before oh, yeah. 2017,
0: bothered. right? 2017, 2018.
1: Yep. Some, yep. It was like <clears throat> the year, it was the year after, um, it was the year after the Equifax. Uh, issue. Okay.
0: Yeah. It was BNY Mellon in 2017 in New York. That's right. Yeah, I remember, yeah. And
1: I, and I started talking about, well, here's what happened with Equifax and blah, 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 supply chains and, and that like, and people are like, yeah, okay, that's, yeah, that's nice, whatever. Yeah. But it didn't really like, for whatever reason, it just didn't capture the imagination the way log4j has captured everyone's yeah. attention and everyone's saying, okay, never again. Um, that which, again, that can lead you down to some bad paths, mm-hmm. but I think it's an opportunity to continue this education and get people on the right path. And I've I've witnessed a lot of positive reception to our efforts to the Clean Dependency Project and the whole message on going upstream. Good. And I sense that this could be, could be a transformational moment in how we think about the way enterprises work with upstream communities. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if, and I'm gonna point the finger at you, yeah. Mr. yeah, yeah. Yep, uh, mm-hmm. If Phenos and Linux Foundation and others, you know, help us to, you know, reiterate this message and really kind of like push it far and wide. I think this is the moment to really kind of jump on that bandwagon. I, I sense that 2023 is going to be the year of, you know,
0: enterprise contributions. I like that. Um, no. That, that, I, as I do sometimes with a guest, I'm, I'm going to say that... Um, uh, we just had to walk off there, walk off home run, or I don't know what it is in cricket for a friend across the pond, but um, and I, I keep asking and I haven't gotten it yet. Um, but uh, but uh, anyway, it, it, um, yeah, uh, I would love to see that. And um, and I know, I know, I know, you know, as an industry, we'd love to see that, but as a foundation, yeah. you know, of course, that's what we work yeah. for every single day. I mean, that's,
1: that's your race on debtor right I mean that's why you're that's why you're there
0: yeah exactly so uh so yeah I you know um continuing to have leaders um in financial services like you and leaders and ospos that you know like yeah it, it, it there has to be push inside each one of those individual companies um uh but I you know part of part of what we should be doing and, and we have been doing but what we should figure out how to do more is is you know make the resources available for you to you know i don't want to say sell it we, we we've it had is to sell it you're it, selling it is. a vision you're selling a
1: concept it's absolutely marketing. Well, marketing. marketing marketing is not a dirty word marketing <laughs> is not a dirty word say Thank it <laughs> you say
0: it, say it preach it from the mountaintops. <laughs> 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 um yeah marketing is not not so bad because <laughs> because it it is needed and 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 marketing marketing goes to to bring around empathy of, yes, of right. these are, these are the reasons why we feel that this would be good for the organization in order to grow as as a, a full organization right um so so yeah if you can get those enterprise contributions uh, going and pushing them upstream then then the entire community within a project you know obviously should benefit from that but but as you see more and more of those start to happen other connecting projects mm-hmm. because you know it, you know, it's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like, like eventually they they all touch each other someplace, right? And and usually they are, you know, all those projects are touching each other when, um, you know, within, you know, a a company, you know, to where you have five thousand different applications and they're mostly made on on open source. So, right. um, so you know, you're right that pull all the streams together and push upstream because because doing it for one project is probably going to help. You'll see it, you know, help in other projects yeah. as well.
1: You got to start somewhere and yeah. and from there you'll see the value. And that's yeah. I'm confident in that statement. So.
0: Cool. All right, man. We're going to leave it there. Thanks, dude. Yeah. Um. And thank you again, uh, John Mark Walker, uh, who's the director. I mean, no. I'll mess it up again <laughs> here just to be consistent. <laughs> is the director of open source programs office i i, I think open the open source program office is the ospo name. Ospo <laughs> also, also ospo at fannie mae um and uh uh if it's cool i'll leave your uh, uh linkedin link in the show notes is that okay
1: that's totally
0: cool Yep. cool and um so if you want to reach out to john mark um you know about fannie mae things um but if you want to reach out to him as far as like again what i what i have found over many years of being in this industry again like you know you you find people who who get it and and I don't, i'm not trying to be religious you preach it um you know yeah, and and absolutely. and um you know john mark has always been one of those people um and so uh get in touch with him and and you know see See, you know, if,
1: yeah, I, I love how we've been dancing around uh, the idea that I'm old.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Let's, um, kids, let me tell you, who are John, you? <laughs> Sorry, John Mark is not an old geezer. Uh, <laughs> he, I appreciate that. Thank he has you. a wealth of knowledge over many, 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 many years, um, <laughs> decades, even, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but thank you again, John Mark. I appreciate it and looking forward to seeing you. Uh ooh, in less than a month and a half. Um yeah, it's in New York for OSF. Yep. Yep.
1: Thank you.
0: All right, man. Um, so appreciate it again. And um uh with that to the audience, uh I'm going to say thank you and good day, good night, wherever you are. Awesome, thank you. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed that conversation between John Mark Walker who's the director of the OSPO at Fannie Mae and I. Uh, Thank you for listening to our flub-ups and everything. They were mostly mine. No, they were all mine. That's right. Uh, So uh, I hope you had some fun. Uh, I hope you learned something. And I hope that uh, you take some empathy into what you do daily, but also what you do within open source as well. Um, So with that, um, please get involved with the Open Source and Finance Forum coming December 5th, uh, twenty. no December 8th 2022 there we go one more for you then uh get involved with us at finos.org or email us at help at finos.org we're looking forward to getting in touch with you looking forward for you to get in touch with us and uh join us in our projects join us in our conferences join us uh every day so uh with that i thank you again and i will say good day good night wherever you are